0: What's up, guys? Today, I have another guest. My buddy Stefan's coming on the show. He operates four LLCs. One of them he doubled from 10 million to 20 million over the past couple of years. He's got a serious story, and he came on the show to teach how he is basically dominating his entire industry internationally. So let's get into the show.
1: Pendulum of life, right? When it's dead center, you're fucking dead. Dead center. When it's going to one side versus the other, you're going happy you're going sad. You're going happy and sad. I just got to hit, got it. Happy and sad the whole time across the pendulum, right? What that means is the clock's ticking, right? That means you're moving. That means you're alive. That means your kicker's going. You're going to be super happy. You're going to be the happiest you possibly can be like a fucking, you know, the brightest sunny day in the world. And all of a sudden shit, it's raining tomorrow. I got the worst thing going on in my life. I feel like shit. Yeah. If I threw it, it's got to go back. Your heart's still fucking beating as long as you're alive and that thing's not dead center. You're not dead. You're still alive.
0: It's like what we were talking about a couple of days ago that when it's, when it's, when everything's cool, everything's great. We just both are grateful because we know it's not going to last forever. Yeah. As much as we're decent at having things last for good periods of time, there's always going to be tough times. And then the keys to remember when the pendulum swings that way, that the tough times don't last forever. Yeah. it's just a matter of framing it and on the grand scale like you're talking about in life and our country um yeah we got some swinging going on that's for sure
1: (laughs) we're still alive right got to keep that part of it in mind we're still alive we still get to live this beat our heart still ticking we're still here on this planet and it's pretty fucking cool when you step back and just say that knowing it's always got it's got to move if it's not moving we're dead yeah and then you don't get back to impact so enjoy the ride, enjoy the swings, know the swings are coming and know when you're super elevated and you're in flow state, the highest possible way, harness it as long as you can and find a way to tie that fucking rope across that thing and just hold it off on that side. But it's super, you know, not that easy to do, but yeah, life's a crazy game like that. And if you can find that medium to know that you're going to be on both sides of that, you know, that Avenue and that, that aisle from time to time, you'll find your way back.
0: Yeah. You know, and one of the, one of the best techniques that I ever learned regarding harnessing the flow state was anchoring the feeling like mm-hmm. like anchoring the feeling you know I, I'm, I'm sure you know all about this but when you're in that high energetic highly it's fundamentally a highly emotional state like a, like a high energy, a high output mm-hmm. a, a flow state which is uh, emotional, I whenever I feel it, because my, my my skin will always tingle when I'm like that. And sometimes for half a day, I'm constantly snapping my fingers yeah. to, to anchor it. And it's yeah. probably, probably one of the best things I ever learned because when, when the pendulum slings and in and, and, and you know you start maybe thinking negative thoughts or um not as positive thoughts, which is which is what I'm guilty of. But I don't go like negative, but my positive thoughts might not be as abundant, right? If I could get myself back into that flow state because of the anchor and the trigger that we yeah. that I've built, and I know you've probably done it as well, or maybe you haven't, have you? So I've done some, right? So you know we've learned from some of the similar people
1: in our in our in our lives here. Like I like triggering. I'm starting to get better at it, but like yeah. all things, you got to work at it. You got to know the moment when to create it. And that's the thing that fails me. It's like, sometimes I'll remember to trigger it after it's gone. And then I'm trying to bring my mind to that state so that I can trigger it. Yeah. Because if you trigger it when you're not in this state, it's not going to help you.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So
1: getting your mind, or getting your body to be reactionary unconsciously to trigger yourself when you're in that state is the muscle you got to really exercise. And if you don't do it much, you know, you're going to lose it. So it's going to come, but
0: I'm getting better at it. No matter where we are in the journey, it's the little things that make the biggest difference, in my opinion. And um, anchoring, I I probably didn't start doing until the past couple of years. And I've been familiar with psychology and the law of attraction and all of the things that come along with it for over a decade. And the anchoring has been a game changer. and, And it really helps when the pendulum swings to the direction that would be considered bad or negative. Because it, it, it basically reframes the entire emotional makeup internally to produce the the flow state, the high energy state. And, yeah. and that's the key is harnessing that, right? Absolutely, brother. Yeah. So, you know, we got so much to talk about today. I, yeah. I, don't, even, I don't even know where to start. Where Where do you want to start? You're the guest. Where do you want to start?
1: <laughs> You know, there's so many different things that I can talk about in my own personal life, my personal journey, um, going through a company. Like we talked a little bit about the other day, being a second generation, looking at life differently And in, in like, I have friend groups that have done that kind of thing. Being a second generation, I've seen how they failed there and I've just heard stories about it. So we could talk about second generational business. We could talk about climbing mountains and snowboarding big, deep powder. That's a lot of fun, which I'm hoping to do in about a week from now, um, we could talk about you and your personal journey, but I know a lot of your audience certainly knows that stuff and you know, really respects you for the things you've gone through. So before we get started, I just want to tell you how much I do honor and respect you for all the things you've done, man, and you've been through. It's a, uh, it's a joy to get to know you better. It's a joy to spend more time with you and it's a joy to be here with you today. So thank you for
0: this chance too, just to be part of this and for your team and your audience. Vice versa, man, vice versa. Um, you know, first things first, like y- you have a robust company. You do. But you also have a much smaller company. And the the interesting part about it is in your office, you're representing both right now. And I got to say, man, I see on social media posts and people posting up your flag, your flag work, probably daily. Is this a one man show? Like, do you have anyone helping you with it? Nope. It's just the labor of love. Yeah, so
1: it's it's kind of a funny story. So if you if you step back and you look at companies, actually there's there's technically four LLCs that I manage. Um, I should say three LLCs in the German version of LLC, a GMBH. So uh, my dad started Elnick as a company 54 years ago, uh, was a subsidiary of his parents' business, and his story by itself is 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 a book in and all of itself. You know, Hell yeah, it to, is to get time to write this thing, right, or put the effort behind it. So he built this business. 30 years later, he started a secondary business, which was like a service arm uh, process-wise of the equipment that we make. So we make these industrial furnaces. They're used to take metal parts that are either molded or printed, and they have to go through a furnace process to become hard and dense. This could be, you know, tons of gun parts, dental brackets, people wearing their teeth, Ray-Ban, you know, hinges and Prada hinges and all the kind of Gucci sunglasses it could be a hip that you just got installed it could be you know medical componentry arthroscopic tools airplane parts tons of different metal parts smaller high volume he got involved in this technology but problem was is that not a lot of people knew how to support themselves metallurgically so we started a business to actually do the process end of it not just the equipment side I've been in and out of this since I was a little kid Uh, I came back officially when I was and then move myself through the ranks as a second gen into this business and basically really started to learn the ropes of what I was doing before I really knew what the hell I was doing, which is kind of fun and we can spend a little time diving into that. Um, but then about 2017, 2018, I took over the VP of operations role and my role was basically running the shop the whole day, the whole company, every department basically reported to me and then I reported to my dad, he was sales and marketing and business development side of work and um, then COVID came around and he was slowing down, anyways. We were trying to talk through a transition. He always said 2020, 2021 would be a time he'd slow down. I would take over. COVID came, he went home. I stayed in the office with two other office people, and then we just had our shop working, which was half our team. Um and in that time, he just it through the fact that he was home and he's not really great working remote, he kind of slowed down naturally through that process. So I've been running the business pretty much for the most part operationally. And I've always had a hand in the sales as like a secondhand person, but I've taken over the business from a sales perspective, um, really for the, you know, since since COVID and a little bit before COVID. And the business went from basically, and I, I think it makes my dad pissed, but he's also really happy about it. The business went from almost nine and a half million to now we just closed last year at 19.5 million, three years later. Hell of a jump. Hell of a growth. We're moving into a bigger building later this year in July. We're in a 20,000 square foot building. We're going into a 50,000 square foot building. In 2019, we opened a German service bureau of our operation to support the huge customer base we have over there. So that's a business that I got to run. We have DSH, which is our service business. We have Elnick, which is the main manufacturing business. And then in 2020. Uh, like everybody in the planet, they found a lot more time in their hands, right? And I remember I made a post about this back in the day. And I was like, most people are working from home. Most people are no longer commuting one to two hours a day. And what are you doing with your found time? That's what I titled it, found time. What are you doing with it? Because this, you know, it's a, it's a true mark of, of who a person is as a human. When you gain time back, like if you have a one hour meeting, it's done in 30 minutes. What are you doing with that 30 minutes? What are you doing with all this found time? So because people weren't hanging out that much and I was spending more time in my house by myself, I decided to open a wood shop formally, legally, officially, financially, and all that stuff because I've always been a guy that likes to build something I need prior to buying it if I have the time, resources, and know-how. But the know-how is always the last part because you figure it out, right? YouTube can teach you pretty much anything you need these days. So, I started a wood shop and it mainly came from my mother during COVID was home. She had an old wood palette, American flag, and it was falling apart. She goes, I really want to remake this. And I, in the back of my mind, was like, cool, I'll make you the parts and she can just paint them by herself. And it went from cutting the stripes to learning people burn the stripes to give it character to you can stain it and you can seal it and you can put this lacquer. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to make her a flag because I really want to do this and see how it looks. And I remember this thing came out and I'm like, I don't even want to give it to her right now. I want to keep it, right? It's so cool. It was so vibrant. All the colors were so amazing. I was like, this is something. If I feel this emotionally attached to this product because of not just how it looks craft wise, but what it means from a position of liberty and justice in America and who we are as Patriots and the fact that I'm such a Patriot and I believe in all the things we do as an organization and build and fabricate in America I was like, all right, I'm going to bring this up to them. I put it all together because they were, funny enough, they were having their kitchen all redone and their house redone at the beginning of COVID. And I was like, I'm going to make this a housewarming gift for them when they get it all redone. So I brought it up to them and I gave them and they were both floored and just like super excited about it. So I was like, you know what? This is pretty cool. I want to do this. I need a little hobby. I got all this time on my hands now. So I started making flags. And then I had one of our Arte friends ask me for like a custom flag that she wanted to have made for her mother for a nonprofit organization. And then I made a shadow box for one of the guys. So I just started making and crafting and building wooden things. This is the main product that I make of varying sizes, but I've made tables. The desk I work at every single day is a desk that I made for myself. And it's a giant black walnut, huge desk that I have sitting here. And I honestly got like, I did it because Woodworking has always been a therapy for me. I've built a bed for myself. I've reworked parts of my house to redo things. I've built so many different brackets and holders and and things for myself along the way, because that's where I get my therapy. Because for me, like most people in their lives, there's one thing everybody has in their life that comes to them without thought. It's easy. It's comfortable. Like you just get in this flow state, right? Woodworking is like that for me. Because if you screw up a piece of wood, you can just cut a new one obviously if you buy some really expensive wood you want to be a little bit more mindful that's where the measure twice cut once really really does apply but if it's a piece of pine it's cool right so I started to get involved in it and now it's to a point where like as I'm cutting the wood and I'm cutting they're all individually stripes right comes as a plank cut it into stripes I put the edging on it and then I'm looking at each piece and looking at the grain and i'm like oh this would be really cool in this section of the flag this would be cool in this section of the flag and then before i stain it i burn it and that's the actual art of the process now i remember i was talking to a good friend of ours angela who would border a flag from us and so forth and she came and picked it up personally um and she's sitting there she goes what makes you different what makes your flag different i was like well i burn them in a way that makes them have a unique texture she goes that's it that's your thing and i was like you know what that's actually true when i'm sitting there with the torch And I'm going over each one of those stripes at the speed that I do it and the pace that I do it. That's what brings the character of that flag out. And that to me is where I can see this transformation of what becomes the flag down the road. So that get these like moments of therapy to it. It just grown into this thing I do as a side hobby. And sometimes I take on bigger projects that I want to, but, uh, it's fun, man. It's it's so much fun. And now knowing that it's going to be in people's locations, like I just made a really cool flag for a nonprofit organization that, uh, not a flag, but actually a storefront sign. It was big, five by five. You're going to walk into this place, nonprofit for a phenomenal cause. Everybody's going to see that first thing when they walk in. And for them, it's a symbol of hope. And I'm like, this is also the first time I've ever painted anything in my whole life, other than just like a single color. Like I actually was blending colors. I felt like Bob Ross there, happy little trees all over the place. but uh, it was cool, man. It was, it's, it's such a, I don't even know how to describe it, man. My heart just goes, you know, especially when people post it, you know, I don't need people to post the flags, but when I see it and I see the pride they hold in it themselves, that pulls on my heartstrings so much, dude, I get so much joy and gratefulness and gratitude of seeing people appreciate the thing that I made for them. And the fact that I made it is just, it's just different, man. It's not like you're, you know, selling a device. It's like, you're putting your heart into this thing. And then you're giving it to, away to somebody. Now, obviously, they're buying it from me and so forth. So it's not always a giveaway. I've donated some over the years, but it's just cool, man. It's really cool. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, you can see, you can sense it probably in the tone of my voice, but I just love Passion. it. Passion. Yeah, I truly love it.
0: So, let, so let's,
1: one-man shop. It's all me. I'm the only one who does it, doing it in my garage right now. In the bigger building, there's a section carved out for SJ Woodco. For two years, it sounds like. Uh, I've been doing it since 2020. Three years, yeah, into my third year now. All right, a so, profit every year. so let's let's
0: recap. Wait, wait, what'd you say? Turn a profit every year. Add a boy. Uh, yeah. so so let's get this straight. So you're a second generation business owner and mm-hmm. operator mm-hmm. during during the day, yep, right. So we're gonna get into that a little bit more. And then at night, when you're not traveling, I'm assuming you're doing your woodworking, burning flags cutting,
1: striping, burning, staining. In, in your startup. Doing. Yeah. Because it's meditative for you and it's fun. Yeah. If I'm not spending time with the people I love and care about, family, friends, I'm usually either, if I don't have a project in house, I'm thinking about what I can make for myself or, Hey, what's a new product I can make? Like I showed you a picture the other day, snowboard snowboard holders that I'm going to put together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's going to be a new product going on. And, and I haven't done anything on Etsy yet. And I'm almost scared to, because I've done enough for you know again fourth business not really the top priority right now because I got bigger animals to kind of let run and and get to a point where they're more automated. Yeah. Once I go to that realm, um, I'm going to need a team, and that's cool. I'm excited to build another one.
0: I mean, you might even be able to put your team under the same roof of your of your your day to day. I got seven
1: seven and a half thousand square feet of unmarked space right now in the new building. So,
0: so you got. So you got 50,000 square feet you're moving into? Yeah. And are you designing it exactly for how your team needs it? Mm-hmm. How's that process? Uh,
1: luckily, uh, the team that I have here uh, is doing a really good job of managing a lot of that.
0: Of their engineers. And I
1: let them do it for the reason that mm-hmm. I want them to own it. I've I've offered support at every step of the way. I told them. I gave them a general idea of we should have a flow pattern as things go through the shop instead of just placing somewhere, something in one place. And then everybody just keeps working on it all the time because with flow, we can actually build up more volume because things don't get stuck in a pathway. So similar to the way a car gets built through a facility, right? Unless something like, you know, some of the major car companies, if something stops down the line, it holds up the whole line. So we broke it into individual flow patterns into you know, certain bays that get built for assembly. Then they go to a certain checkout location and then they get shipped out of the building. So it's not a star pattern. It's kind of a U and then it leaves. But all I said was just think of flow. Think of flow through the facility. And I gave the ideas and the vision and they ran and they built a, a, a plant layout that is going to allow what we can do right now in our current building is 20 units a year. This layout should allow us to get up to 50 units a year if the market wow. requests it. Um, it's going to take some time to build there. But uh, I told him, I said, I think the better plan is you guys run with this, meet with the team, the departments, ask them what they want to have, what their ideal layout would be, then bring it to me. Because one of the skills that I have that I've developed, and this a lot came from my dad, because he always told me when I was younger, he's like, listen, you're going to be in roles and you're going to be in positions where people are going to rely on you for a decision. Don't just make the decision real quick. Question first. Question everything first. Doesn't have to be to the person, even do it in your head. Question everything so that you can look and think, hey, is there any mistakes? Is there any gaps? Is there anything that they haven't thought about? And in some cases, ask a question about somebody just to make sure they thought about something that's not visually on a piece of paper. Because yeah. if they didn't think about it, you're helping them about thought processes, right? That's, you're that's one of the
0: most important things right there, asking them questions. Yeah.
1: Huge. So I've let them run with it. And that gave me the flexibility to continue to run the business and do the things that I need to focus where I am really good with my energy. But then they bring me plans. We sit, we talk, um, and it's it's been fun, man. It's been a lot of fun. Like, it's obviously stressful planning a f- new facility, but it's also cool. Like, we're picking new carpets. We're picking wall. We're picking furniture, layout, facility, flow. We got a training room now for 50 people. We don't have a training room right now. We move shit around the shop. We get some chairs in. I yeah, take a yeah. conference room projector right. and the conference room screen, and we walk it out to the shop. Right, yeah. right. So everything's temporarily set up because we don't do it as often as we want to, but I want to do more team events, customer events, everything, everything that would require for a training room. I'm really, really looking forward to what that's going to allow you know me to do in front of a lot of people. It's going to be really, really fun and exciting. And what I really want to do once we get down to the Charlotte area is I really want to get involved in schools, local tech schools, local universities bring them in, us in our super niche business, super cool technology, teach students a new way of using metal powder or something about material science or something about 3D printing or something of that realm to get more and more people excited. Because what I'm realizing, and I'm sure you get this too, because you've been an entrepreneur for most of your life too, the amount of people that are coming into a workforce have some skill. I care mostly about their their human side. Who are they as people? Because that's harder to teach. I can teach people regular skills. So long as they bring the foundation, I can teach that. So I look for the human side. So now I can use that and I can grow this out of university as I can build my team bigger into what I want it to be.
0: Wow. I got so many questions. So <laughs> let, let's just straight let's just straighten this out a little bit, right? Just yeah. so just so I'm understanding. Okay. All right. Got it. So the company's been, been around for how long? How many years? 54, 54 years. 54 years. Okay. You're second generation. Um, How how many? We have this. We have this. Sorry to cut you off. We have this rebirth
1: right now. Like most 50 year old companies get to a point where they plateaued and they just maintain it every so often. They get a little jump. I'm almost at the point where I'm like a five year old company who just researched, like just classified myself as good. And now I'm going to take off because of 3D printing.
0: Well, well. Uh, an extra ten million dollars in in three years is is incredible growth. Uh, what would you say? Approximately ten to approximately twenty million in three years. Yeah. Since, since you've been at the helm. Yeah. Right. So so we're we're painting the picture here, right? So you're 54 years not you, but the company's 54 years old. You've taken the reins over three years ago. Um, I, I I'm going to ask you about coming up through the through the uh, system, if you will. But before we get there, um, so now at your 54th year or whatever the time frame is, which is about the 54th year, you're moving from New Jersey to South Carolina. North. Excuse me, North Carolina. I apologize. Uh, The Charlotte area. Mm -hmm. I'm actually flying in there next week i think it's next week very cool i don't know when I? I forget when i'm going to show i think it's next <laughs> week it might it might be the week after but anyways so you're picking everybody up how many people you got working for you we got 42 we're bringing
1: 21 i just had a new guy come back and join me which was the my my most seniored employee was not going to join us mm-hmm. manufacturing guy welder been on our team for over 20 years he just said he wants to come now yeah. it makes yeah. me so freaking happy so, so half the team coming quarter is going to stay remote. The other quarter, we're actually going to help find jobs here locally. That's amazing.
0: So, so to approximately 20, 20 to 25 people yep. are, are moving. OK, and you're going to hire people on while you're down there. Mm-hmm. So 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 you have this monstrous growth. Why change what you're doing from. New Jersey, to what you know, in 25,000 square feet, if I'm not mistaken, and and double to 50,000 square feet, if I'm not mistaken, why are you moving all the way down to, to Charlotte at the point that you're at? So this rebirth is happening. What is the thought pattern behind that? Uh, great question, man. And uh, trust me, I've asked myself
1: the same question a bunch of times <laughs> over the years. Um, it's a multitude of reasons. So I've, I'm born and raised here in New Jersey. I've lived in this this state for 41 years myself. Went to school in Delaware, lived in Germany for six months. Um, but most of my, my adult life and, and my whole life has really been here in New Jersey. And I love it. Right. we got beaches, two major cities. Rural, urban, you know, Jersey's not all Jim Tan laundry in Newark, like everybody thinks oh, about.
0: No, it's not? Oh.
1: <laughs> but uh, it's a great place. And sadly, what's been happening in the state, you know, it's it's gotten to a point where for small businesses, mm-hmm. um, unless you're supporting the industry that the, the state of New Jersey attracts, which is medical, if you're not supporting medical as a parts maker or supplier or something along those lines, it's difficult to have the state do things that want to support manufacturing. They've put avenues out there and there are portals and so forth, like the New Jersey Manufacturers Extension Program and some of these other ones. I've been involved in some of these. It's a lot harder to work through them than I've seen and heard from people in other states like Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Carolinas. They just have a much better integration from the, from the local you know regulate, regulatory bodies to help support manufacturing, which to me is everything I do. So that's one thing that I'm seeing our state kind of push against. But the other thing is cost. So that's the second thing of three that I, that was the reason for the for the move. So down there, in a, like, I don't need a 50,000 square foot building right now. We need about 35. But if the growth path goes the way we want to, which metal 3D printing is our growth phase. And what metal 3D printing is going to do is it's going to make my other business, which is called metal injection molding. This is going to bring awareness to what this technology can do in volume. So they're both going to grow together.
0: complement each other, yeah.
1: And that's been the biggest reason why we've grown over the last couple of years. So I need a bigger building. To do that in the state of New Jersey versus many of the other states I've looked at, I'm going to pay almost double in rent for the same square footage. So what I've recognized, without even incentives, my year one rent here in New Jersey is equal to my year 10 rent down in Carolina. That's substantial. That's substantial, right? 10 years and I get to save all that money and use that to invest in my equipment, my technology, my people. So I can do it here. We can stay in the state, but I wouldn't be able to invest in the four pieces of new equipment that we just bought for the new plant. To speed, to get better, to have more cool technology and interesting technology for my team to gain more skills and become a better version of who they are. You know, I got guys running bridge ports. I want that guy next year running a vertical CNC turret lathe. Or a five by five foot CNC controlled laser. I want these people to have more skills. And a lot of these guys are getting excited because of those things that we're bringing in house. I couldn't do that here. So that was the other side. And then the last part, what kind of brought me to that area down there specifically is I went up and down the whole coast. If it were me personally, this is like, I'm let's say, sacrificing my own personal dreams and goals of being in Montana or Wyoming, because that's the area of the country that I love the most, but you're not going to find a lot of workers in those areas unless you can bring a whole team along. So what I'm doing is I'm picking a location up and down the coast because that I felt would be a place where most of the people could basically find um, a desire or or a reason to go relocate to those areas. Right. So in that path, I kept going using Charlotte as like a hub to fly to and then drive to other places. And every time I came back to Charlotte and drove around, I was like, man, this place really feels like home, right? It's not as hilly as New Jersey, but it's very woodsy. You've got, you know, Northern Jersey kind of feel. You got like a Bergen County area up here, a Morris County, everything on a home basis. Things just felt so normal to me and so calming. And I'm like, okay, what's, why is it like this? What's going on here, right? So they're doing a really good job in that location to, you know build up their infrastructure, stay in pace with the influx of people, and that's the real big thing. So the opportunity for people to go to a new location where they're going to have 30 to 40 percent cost of living changed down, which is huge, is really attractive for people to be able to accomplish new things in their life. Maybe they could buy now a house that they couldn't buy before. Maybe they're paying this much in rent in New Jersey, $1,500, 2,000, 3,000, whatever the number, but it's an older place. They can now get into a brand new place. So this gives people on my team an opportunity to make a life change that is substantial, right? It's substantial in terms of it can be the reason, like a lot of people, they don't want to stay in New Jersey when they retire. Okay, well, if you have an opportunity to relocate to a place that's lower cost, that's going to let you maybe retire earlier, or maybe lets you do a whole lot more stuff in your life because you've got more residual income now. Yeah. That's a pretty cool opportunity for people so that's the other big reason and then the real like let's say x factor is the charlotte region is for the last almost five years has had over a hundred people a week on average moving there Mm. the place is exploding it's number one in the country for business their corporate tax is going to zero in four years now that doesn't directly affect me because i'm llc but it's going to help the area And it's going to become this just super hot area to be. And every time I go down there, it's got this vibrant feel. We're growing. We're energetic. We got this thing. And oh, hey, by the way, people in the South are really nice too. That doesn't hurt. So there's so many reasons for the move. And uh, I'll tell you, I made the pitch to my team last May. The day before, I didn't sleep. I was so nervous about the potential that we might relocate the company. And All I was saying is these are our options. I didn't say we are going. But this is where I wanted to go because I wanted to grow the business. I wanted us to have an opportunity to meet the needs of a market that we already are the best at, but we can only meet the needs if we have the capability to meet the needs. So this is a, I don't want to say this is a leap of faith because that's not what it is. It's a calculated decision based on what we're seeing the industry and the market want and need. And everybody's coming to me right now for support and help anyways, and Lately, especially because I'm getting involved in so many more speaker sessions, like the name Elnik, the brand of what we're doing, the education level that we're providing around what takes place in our furnace. It's called centering. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's also not the hardest. We are the place to come to, to get your answers and get your education from. So everything's just flowing really in the right direction. And it's uh, it's exciting times ahead for us, man. It's definitely, it's definitely exciting times. I've got all the emotions. I've got the excited, the nervous, the scared, the fear, the joy. Joy and excitement are still the dominant feeling I have. And that's what's, that's what's driving me forward. Not just for my company's choice, but a lot of people don't really understand this about me, but I, I care probably more than most people uh, that I meet. And I care like so much. It, sometimes it like it, it like eats me up how much I care about the success of my team, the success of my family, the success of my friends, the success of the business. So I really just want my team to have a better life. I want them to see the opportunity that's presented to them and we're trying to help them in every way, make this move happen. So yeah, I just, I, and, and it's, I've really seen that coming back to me lately from the team, a lot of, you know, not praise and so forth, but just recognition of the effort I'm putting out for them. And it's I see it. it's really helpful. It's really helpful to me to keep going down this path and know I'm going down and doing the right thing.
0: It's a good reminder, right? It's a good reminder of everything that we put into it. And, and when it's, it's, it's honestly one of the coolest feelings when someone that you've poured your entire, however many years into, to make sure that they're successful and come out on top, not for the company, but for them. And w- yeah. when they pull you aside and say something nice, just a couple, a couple of lines, maybe one sentence to me, that makes my day. Yeah. I would imagine. To you too Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Without a doubt.
0: Yeah, and when the super high flow state is, is when you get told that multiple times a day because you're like riding high. You're like, fuck man, the past however many years I've been doing this for this person and and, and they see it, which is, which is a beautiful thing because I, I think what a lot of people might not understand is, and business owners are no better than employees. However, a lot of business owners are very, um, focused on personal development. And when, when we take that journey, right, we develop our minds. Once we get to a certain point where we realize it's not about us, our journey is not about us. It's about everybody around us. And hopefully as many people as possible as we can affect, right? But, and, and I'm just being stereotypical, but a typical employee doesn't have that mindset. So when they deal with an owner or a CEO or someone in charge like you, who's pouring everything into them, it's probably an anomaly for many of them. So you deserve all of that feedback because they have recognized it over however long you've been pouring into them. So you, it's a, they,
1: you bring up a great point, dude. And I wanted to, I wanted to hang on this for a minute because I ask myself this sometimes too, like, you know, we get older, everybody says when you're 30, you wish you knew what you knew at 30 when you're in your 20s and when you're 40 and your are 30s and all that stuff, right? So like, what is it about other than the the sheer understanding that the younger mind is the undeveloped mind and they haven't poured into themselves, but w- what causes that shift in, I'm doing everything for me in my life in my business and blah, 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 to all of a sudden, when people really start to work on personal development, and they there's a shift of some specific thing that transitions them from, I'm still doing good things to I'm doing good things for everybody else. And this is my primary focus. I'm still trying to put my thumb on how to describe that shift. I don't know whether you've ever stepped back and thought through that
0: and broken I, it down. My opinion. All right. And, and and I I teach it a little bit. I teach it a little bit, not to the extent that I could, but my my opinion is this. I believe that Personal development, we all write the same shit. Like the same shit has been getting written about for over a century in personal development. Yeah. And it we won't all... stop. What's that?
1: And it won't stop. It's gonna no, keep
0: going. No, but but so so you know this. You read one book, right? And you're like, oh yeah, that yeah, I've read this before. And you read another book and you're like, I I know this, I've read this. Okay, this is good perspective. And that's what it comes down to, right? As authors. It's just different perspective on the topics. Right. So to answer your question, there is a pattern in personal development that constantly talks about higher levels of outcome, whatever that outcome that you desire, family, career, money, bank accounts, health, wealth, everything, right? Yeah. There's a higher level of outcome uh, when we step aside from ourselves and connect our worth to how many people you can influence or how many other people you can help is how it's typically portrayed. So I I believe the answer to your question is, or my perspective on it, is eventually after reading it so many times, you're like, oh, okay. Human nature is inherently selfish, uh, but human nature is also inherently helpful. Like humans will help other people. However, most humans don't realize how selfish we are. But when you start reading and reading and reading and reading the same thing over and over and over again about how being selfless is the answer to everything that we desire fundamentally, the shift comes once it hits. And personal development virtually rewrites our minds, right? It rewrites our minds, not completely, but to a degree, and it changes our thought patterns. And when our thought patterns change from self-ish to selfless, from the redundancy of reading the same message over and over again, I think that's the the answer. That That's my answer to the question anyways. I think you it's,
1: it's, you know, you hit it right. I think you hit it right in the right area because we touched on it a little bit before. It's like when somebody gives you the recognition of the effort you put out for that person, It's a reward that is hard to try to remake or duplicate on your own. Like you can't go. I love giving compliments to people because I personally love seeing the smile on their face. Yeah. Right. And I kind of like when they get a little bit embarrassed because like it's, it's adoring, right? It's endearing to see somebody get like mushy on the inside and get happy and joyful and feel like you just gave them a verbal hug. Right. Or go give them the damn hug if you want to. I love that stuff. So I get joy out of that. Now, I'm not doing it to get joy. I'm doing it to pour out. But I think it's like a subconscious desire for joy maybe, but you're not wanting to go for it. You just do it because it's your human nature to be nice to somebody or to be good. But I feel like some people, I don't know if it's possible or not. I might be going off a deep end here, but is it possible to become selfishly seeking that level of joy where you're constantly pouring out to people just to pour back into yourself is there a crossover limit for
0: that? i mean there very well could be uh but i'll tell you what man have, have you ever heard the story about when robert o'neill the guy that killed bin laden mm-hmm. asked, asked to meet me no you never heard this story no all right, so check this out, dude. I, I, it's going to take. Oh time. no, you did tell me
1: this the other day. You did tell me it's, it's a phenomenal story. But yes, write it down again. Right, go through it. Oh,
0: so but but the outcome is what we're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Long story short, my my number two was going through a really tough divorce for the past couple of years. She had to move out of her house and she had to get an apartment in 2021, which mm-hmm. there were no apartments available. Right. Right. So, long story short. You know, she finds an apartment and, you know, she pulls me, this, this, this person works for me. You, you've met her, Paola. Yeah. He pull, she pulls me aside Great and she's solo. like, oh yeah, dude. Uh, she says, um, Chris, I've, I've never had an apartment. I'm 40 years old. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I have to show up. I don't, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I was like, of course, Yeah. But when's your appointment? And she's like, it's on Sunday. Can you? Are you okay giving me your time on Sunday? Mm. And I was like, yeah, of course. I'll I'll show up. No problem. Whatever. It's like a noon appointment or something like that. Well, that Sunday came. All right. She's going through this tough time. Sunday came. Long story short, uh, I was uh, I had a, I had a customer who I was consulting him on military cryptocurrency. Okay. And, and the other consultant was robert o'neill the guy that killed Bin laden the seal that killed Bin laden in syria i think yeah yeah so long story short one day i told my 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 buddy my customer i was like hey man can you like introduce me to freaking o'neill like that would be pretty awesome you know he's like yeah yeah, i'll do it for you and i'm like okay great well months had gone by and then it was that sunday that Uh I had promised Paola that I would show up to meet her landlord and help her with the apartment. Now, in 2021, for those of anyone that doesn't remember, you could not get apartments. Yeah, You just couldn't get apartments. There was nothing available. And this was her opportunity. So it was like 90 minutes before I had to be there. My, my buddy calls me up and he goes, Chris, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I... Uh, I'm doing this, that, you know, he goes, drop what you're doing, come to New York City. Robert O'Neill wants to meet you. I'm with him right now. I'm in Connecticut. So New York City is like two hours from, from me. It's probably yeah. close to you as well. So I said, hey, listen, uh, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm not going to be able to make it. And he's like, you know, what, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm <laughs> all, I'm all I, I got an appointment. He goes, yeah, cancel your appointment. Yeah, this is down to New York City. The guy that killed Ben Laden specifically asked to meet you. Uh, I was like, oh, all right, um, give him the phone. Let me talk to him. He goes, no, he's not taking the phone. I'm like, all right, listen, man, tell him he's a team guy. Okay. I'm a team guy. Okay. You know, from military, tell him that my team is more important and I need to take care of my team when he wants to meet me. I think he'll understand My buddy was like, "He's like, you're an idiot," and I'm like, "Okay." So I didn't show up to New York City, but I did show up to the apartment, and she got the apartment. Long story short, right? I I smoothed those landlords. I was like, "Listen, I'm a landlord too. Okay, (laughs) we're you're doing this. You have no option." But anyways, I told her afterwards. You know, I I told her, and she just Mm -hmm. started bawling her eyes out, and because she was already thankful but she started bawling her eyes out. And she's like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you go? He's a celebrity. And I was like, yeah, yep. I, I don't know who he is. You're my team. Like you're my people. I love this story. You're, you're my fucking people, you know? And like watching her in that moment, in her gratitude for her boss, I hate that word, yeah. show up over meeting a celebrity, that's what it's about. Just like your people coming and pulling you aside and 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 telling you thank you for everything that you're doing because they're recognizing it, that's the feeling. Regardless of Robert O'Neill, regardless of you being in Jersey, that's the feeling that we're talking about. So is that selfish to look for those opportunities? I would say it's the optimal level of Selfless reinforcement.
1: Yeah. I like that. By the way, dude, I've always known you're a good dude. That story just completely solidifies who you truly are, dude. And team to me is everything. I've been a sports guy my whole life. Um, sports, military, obviously in the military. You read like team is a whole new level of team when there, because you're now you're dealing with lives, not just you know, games and 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 uh you know accolades at the end of the year kind of thing. But to me, I love team. I I try to build team atmosphere my whole life. Yeah this organization. And the hardest thing going back to kind of what we touched on in the beginning is moving through a business. I was moving through a business where I was the youngest guy in the totem pole all the time.
0: Yeah. Tell me about
1: that. Right. So like I came from, I I worked out here when I was a kid and then I went to uh, finance for four and a half years and I worked as a financial planner because I told my dad, Hey, you worked too many hours. You're crazy. What's wrong with you, right? And then I started to go to work before him, come home after him. And I'm like,
0: <laughs> uh, who's the idiot now? With my- with two no with two pennies to rub together. Yeah, That's two it.
1: pennies to rub together. I had a V8 all <laughs> red Cherokee. I spent more money on gas than I made.
0: Right. I had a V8 Cherokee. Yeah, those things terrible on gas. Sucked it,
1: right? So I was like, all right, this is pretty brutal. So what am I going to do here, right? So I, you know, obviously got a different car and all that stuff to adjust to what my current income was because I wasn't killing it right away in the beginning. But um, after that time, I came back to the business here. And in finance, I was always around people of my peers. So it was like fun. You have your people. Even though you're building your own business, you're in a group working with other people and doing the same thing. So you got this team atmosphere. When I came back to here, I was 27 years old. There was like two people in the business in and around my age. And there were like a couple of shop guys. I made friends with them, but I didn't have this team feeling. So while we were a team and my dad ran a good business, My dad was just older generation, he was a lot more this is what we got to do go figure it out kind of thing go we got to do this, this is the effort we have to do he was really good at. Like listening to a customer figuring out what needs to be the direction and then correlating that or disseminating that back to the engineering team and to let them do it, but that team environment just wasn't something in the world so much in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s when companies were going up. It was just a different world. So I was longing for this team environment. So over the years, every time I moved to a different role in a different department of the company, I would look at the people that were underneath me from a, from a title and a, let's call it a hierarchy point of view, although I always looked at myself basically working for them. That's one of the biggest differences I took moving through the business that I believe helped me gain the respect of a lot of the people. But I always looked at them as my team. If it was two people, I would huddle with them. I'd say, hey, we got to do this. This is the things we got to accomplish. I need your help. Right. And if it got bigger and bigger and bigger, I do that now as the bigger group. I tell everybody, this is the vision. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Right. They're pretty simple, basic terms. I have some big, lofty goals we're trying to achieve, but mission wise, I wanna help every single metal part maker in the industry that's humanly possible for me to do. I don't care what that means. We just wanna be of help to them. I wanna be the benchmark for a, for what a supplier is to my industry. And if I can grow bigger than that across the globe in terms of that, that supplier relationship should be, I wanna be the benchmark for people to strive to become. And then the last one is I wanna get engaged in my community. That's my team that's my industry, that's my local industry in terms of just manufacturing businesses. I work with lots of local companies around here to help make things for us, but I don't want to take it to an education level, to a school level. I want to get engaged in that part of it. So, so long as we follow those three things all the time now, that's how I talk about with the team. So you and I have had a fortunate opportunity to be part of a similar group, Arte, you know, for, for a few years now. Um, and we've learned a lot of good things from that. And while I feel like I've had A lot of these skills prior to joining this group, I've really, really sharpened my sword and my axe because I've been around people that have helped me do that. But for me, it's a lot of now I have my team, I have my people. I do team events with people where we get together, we have a cigar night or we go do a lunch with everybody after we ship a furnace and we get together and we just act like a team. So I love Being around that feeling of a team, I'm not playing sports like I used to. I used to for a little while in some men's leagues and everything, and that's where I gained my team feeling, but I don't have that anymore. I got these people and I love these people. These people are my family outside of my own blood right and i look at every single one of them as either brothers sisters you know aunts uncles whatever i got to consider them to be they're my family but they're also my team and i'm going to do my absolute best to lead these people into whatever situation we're going into and this right now is the biggest situation we've ever been into we need to move a business we've slowed our pace down a little bit so we can build up some inventory of parts as we need to and we can make the transition through into the new facility a whole lot easier um it's going to come some painful same pain points my dream my dream is that the pain point of every customer is all they have to do is change my address in their SAP system. <laughs> if I can accomplish that, I accomplish something pretty damn good, but I don't know if it's going to go that smooth and easy. Usually things of this magnitude certainly don't, but I've given my team the longest possible extension of, hey, I need you guys to run. I need you guys to do things. You got all my help. You got all my support. If you're spending a lot of money on things, come, let me approve every expense for this move first before we go forward. Because I'm managing the budget, I'm managing the process and so forth. And we all are collectively doing it together. But I'm letting them do the work. I'm letting them build part of what they think that vision should be. And that's part of a team, right? I don't care what your team is. If you got a a baseball team, like, not everybody that's working on the infield is helping people do things on the outfield, and they're not helping the pitchers. And what you know, whatever, however you want to paint the picture, I don't really know how the best to describe it right now. But
0: you're you're a laissez-faire empowering leader, is what you are. Yeah i
1: i I want them I want them to feel like they're part of something on their own, like it even is their own little thing.
0: Connecting them to the outcome.
1: Yeah, you always got to circle it back around, right? That's that's leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got this one guy in on our team. I love this dude, man. He's, he's one of our electrical, he's, he's our electrical engineer, senior electrical engineer. He's one of the sharpest minds I've ever met in my entire life. This dude is so creative, loves what we're doing as an organization, loves this place. Um, the team, the people around it, everybody's so helpful. I mean, he, he can just run after things and get so many things done. He's so creative in a good way and he's so creative in a bad way because it can kind of like run him down a path sometimes you got to like bring him back in so um, that's leadership is letting people go do the things but sometimes you just have to turn the wheel a little bit for them. you know what i mean and refocus what they're trying to do and that's if you have the ability to control that and you build your team underneath you to think the same way it takes time dude it takes a lot of time to get people to change the way they think about humans most people when they work in a business they think about the business they think about the process they think about the system while that's good You always got to stop and think about the human that's doing the job. If they're not good, if they're in a bad state, if they're in a bad mood, it's probably something happened at home last night or this morning, or something's going on in their personal life that's affecting their day-to-day. You could be scolding somebody for bad performance when they're usually a rock star because something's going on, but you didn't take the time to ask the question. Hey, man, what's going on? Are you okay? Is everything all right back home? Do you need me? Do you want to close the doors? Do you want to talk for five minutes? The amount of times I've done that, and it's allowed the person to unload a feeling that they're harboring and holding on to. And then all of a sudden they turn around and they're performing the way they did before the problem. Dude, all you got to do is realize people are humans. You got to pour out to them. You got to show them. They're
0: for you. I'm with You've you. Never You're be too on my team. For your people. Never. You're never too busy for your people or your team. Yeah. You so I do remember. a
1: lot of that. I show it, I live it, I believe it, and I'm seeing my team adopt to that. My leaders are adopting to that. And other people in the team are starting to adopt to that mentality, and it's really great. It's really rewarding to see man.
0: Oh man, dude, I'm so happy for you. I really am. I'm genuinely happy for you. And thank you. The, the um the example that I use is um you got to let them dent the car. Yeah. don't want total it. Let them dent it. I mean, you don't want them to total the car, but you got to let them dent it, right? And and that's how they learn. You know, they learn, and, it, and sometimes it's redundant for a long time, but that's how they learn. They they learn the expectation, they learn the desired outcome through making mistakes, just like the rest of us do. I'm sure you've made plenty of fucking mistakes. I've made plenty of fucking mistakes. But that's when we learn, and it's the same thing with our people, just sometimes on a smaller level. But having that open door, you know, like open dialogue policy, open is a, exactly is a complete game changer in leadership. Monday, Monday, um, it was like eight thirty in the morning. I was getting ready for a Monday morning meeting. I was writing. I was zoned in, and then someone someone came into my office and was like, "Chris, can I talk to you?" And I thought they were gonna cry. I really did. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah, sit down. What's going on? Just that conversation for 20 minutes, just like you said, that little powwow for five minutes, right? It's a complete game changer because you actually care about your people. You care about how they feel. You care about what's going on. and As leaders, mentoring our people is the job. That's the job. It's like, what do you what do? You, do? You, you help your people. Yeah, dude.
1: It's truly amazing. Uh, And, you know, it circles all back to the question I asked before is like, are you selfish when you want to bring people joy? Are you selfish by wanting to reward yourself with a positive feeling of being good to somebody else, being good to another human? I don't think it's selfish. You know, it's and and maybe there is a good selfish. You know, there's good selfish in ways of I'm going to pay attention to my own physical health before I start to you know, pay attention to everybody else's. I'm going to put my air mask on, oxygen mask on before I put somebody else's on, right? So that is technically a selfish task, but it's not bad selfish. Being selfish isn't always a bad thing if the intention is for good, if the intention is for making the world a better place. That's where I try to maybe, that's the connection that I needed to make there for myself. So,
0: yeah. And I think it really comes down to, to who's, who's saying it. Who's saying it's selfish. Who, where are they in life? You know, and you and I both know you ha- you gotta take care of yourself first before you take care of everybody else. So is it is it actually selfish to take care of yourself first so you can take care of everybody else throughout the day? Arguably, I, I would I would say no. You know, I have, I'll tell you what, man, I have my, my time all dialed in. Like I know the percentage that I spend on myself on a daily basis, which is between 15 and 25% of my day. Awesome. is spent on myself it's it's my um you've read ed's new book uh, the power of one more yeah, it's, it's a great book. my exactly my first five hours in the day is completely dedicated to what i need okay the next 10 to 12 hours of the day depending on how long the day is is dedicated to everybody else so is that first five hours selfish i don't know who's Who's saying it's selfish? It depends on the perspective and the emotional intelligence of the person. Well, I think
1: I, at the end of the day, you live, it's your life to live, right? Yeah. So you build structure. It's so long as you feel like you're in the right path and you're doing yeah. good. Now, mm-hmm. obviously there's some crazy people in the world that can think they're doing good, but they're not. Yep. Uh, there's outliers to every topic. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, we talk about it all the time, we learn a lot from a lot of people, but if you're going at things with the desire to make things better, yeah. You know, like, it's funny, dude, I was going to send you a video yesterday. I was driving into Target to go get something real quick on the way home. I pulled into my parking spot, and instead of walking into Target, I cleaned up five shopping carts that were right around. Because (laughs) they weren't just, like, at the end of the aisle sitting up on the curb. They were dead center in the middle of other parking spots. And I'm like, it's raining. I could easily just go warm up in the freaking place. I was like, this, it, I don't know. I mean, I know this eats you up too, dude. It eat me up inside. So I literally just went around. I'm like, there's times I'm like, can I go knock on the door and apply for a job just to clean the shopping carts up for the day? But uh, I don't need the job. I just want to move them out of the way because it makes the opportunity for somebody else's life better. Wow. I actually have a really funny story about shopping carts. I'm going to tell you real quick. Yeah, let me hear it. I was leaving work, or no, I was at work, and I had to go to Home Depot, which is five minutes down the street from where the company is. I'm walking out of Home Depot, and here's the the woman's parked car. Across the aisle is the handicap spot, and five spots past her car is the carousel for the shopping carts. So she puts equal it equal in the handicap spot. from here to here, right? Equal yeah. distance. Yeah. I'm watching her walk the cart over to the handicap spot, and she put it right in the striped line. I'm just like, come on, like, is this real, right? So I walk by, and I'm trying to bite my lip and i'm like i was like ma'am you know that doesn't go there right (laughs) you called her out she just laughed about it she's like oh you know like just trying to play it off i'm like i'm like did she understand me is she foreign maybe she doesn't understand english or something i was like i was like ma'am you're just it's a handicap spot you're making somebody's life really hard by leaving the cart there and she went from laughing to scorched earth she went oh fuck you man you fucking ugly i can't Blah blah blah. just literally went off on me and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> what just happened? Right? So I was like, I was like, you're just being lazy. You, it's the same distance for where you got to put the cart to. And she just kept unloading on me. So I literally just walked this way. I grabbed the cart and I moved it along my way over to the shopping cart thing. And I was so blown away by the willful intention of trying to leave that cart there, knowing there's a handicapped person that's going to try to get out with their wheelchair or walker or whatever it is. And they can't cause there's a shopping cart there. And I was like, how is there this level of indecent just bad in the world why so every time i see a shopping cart i think of that moment and it just it gets me to the point where i'm like i'm just putting the damn thing away because it's driving me crazy even if it's like on the other side sometimes i've done this not all the time but on the way other side of the parking lot the corner i've grabbed some of those and brought them over just because it's
0: the right thing to do man yeah that's my that's my day my day to day i don't even post it anymore i really should i'll tell you what man there's, uh, people accredit me to, them, to that movement. I, I don't like, I don't think I'm the originator of it and I don't take credit for it. Um, however, I feel very strongly about shopping carts being out of place. So <laughs> but let me tell you something, man. If there's one thing on social media that I get criticized for, it's that. The, really? Oh yeah, the irony is, if there's one thing that I've that I've put out of content that has been picked up by other people, it's that. So like the criticism that comes with it, I just kind of laugh, but I love these types of stories, you know, because fundamentally, like, what are we doing? We're taking an extra minute or two out of our day to clean up some shopping carts and put them away. Of course, people are paid to do it. Yeah, that's not the point. The point is just... One little action helps other people and could make other people's day. And You're I help that
1: one person, I that one that, mother with the kid that needs to park closer because they just, it's a harder job for them. You're helping their life. Yeah. It's, it's funny exactly. that you talk about criticism and taking a stance because yeah. every single day I put a quote on my door to my office. And the quote on my door right now is the Winston Churchill quote, which I actually heard from uh, the Tebow Milet podcast that came out a couple of days ago. And it was like, if you have enemies, good it means you've taken a stance on something. Mm-hmm. So you've got criticism because you've taken a stance on what you don't believe is right. And it's so much truth to it. Yeah. So much truth to it. And, you know, one of our, you know, uh, you know, mentors in life, Andy talks about all the time, 50% of the people are going to like you, 50% of the people are going to hate you. You okay with it? that group of people that are going to like you work with that group of people that are going to like you actually funny enough with that whole thing, I made a shift recently in the company and this is brand new. So I have, I don't even know the results of it yet, but if I can give any kind of piece of business advice to people that are leading teams, you're going to have whatever, 10, 20, 50, hundred people in your team. You're always going to have a small group of people that are going to be the loudest. They're going to bitch moan and complain. They're going to tell you you're doing everything wrong. And you're going to spend so much time trying to appease that small group of people Fix this process, fix this thing, get this coffee machine, do whatever it is to fix a small group where they're not the people living up to your values and culture, but you're doing it because you don't want that to cause a bigger situation in your world where what you should do is focus your energy on the people that believe in you and they believe in your organization and believe in what you are as a person, as a company, as a value and a mission and ask them, what do we need to do better? Because now you got people that believe in you, believe in the organization, helping you make it better because they want to be there. I just had this conversation with some of my big leaders in the group the other day. And a couple of them gave me some really cool feedback that day. I've been out of the office for a few days. I'm coming back. I was back today and tomorrow and so forth. So I'm going to sit with them tomorrow and hopefully gain some some really cool insight to what they have to say. Even asking the question to those guys made me feel more comfortable than going to the group of people that might not be the stellar, you know, stellar team members and you're you're nervous it's like what do i got to do to make you feel better and make you happy and all this stuff like that's uncomfortable so much more comfortable to go up to a rock star in your company that's kicking ass and be like hey man appreciate all you're doing i love the effort you're putting into this place and i'm trying to help you as best i can what do we need to do better you're going to get the best insight from somebody like that too
0: They feel like you care about what they have to say Versus a person who's never going to care what you have to say. It, it, but it's all connected. Exactly. It's all connected. You giving five minutes to someone who's upset. You getting the compliments from people on your team, seeing you put in the work. You putting the shopping carts away. You asking your people, uh, your top people, yeah. your performing people, what they think. It's all connected. And that that is leading through heart, like you were saying. And that that's that's high-level leadership is really what it is. And uh, it's, it's good to hear this because there's a stigma amongst second generation owners. And I'm I'm sure that you probably had to deal with the beginning of the stigma coming up through the ranks that your, your daddy's son, like, what does he have to do? He just gets the fuck off and do whatever he wants. Then he gets the company, but how wrong was that? Like how far from the truth was that on your journey? Huge.
1: Um, and, and like I said earlier, like I got a bunch of friends that are, you know, second generation, their family businesses too. And a couple of them done a pretty good job with it. And some others just, you know, they, they pissed a lot of money away and I don't know that they're in a place to really take this forward so much. So for me, I've always, I've always wanted to work my ass off and stuff, right? Like I've had moments where I can be lazy and so forth. But when there's a project, when there's something that's got to get done, I'm just going to grind it through and see it till it's finished. Even if it means skipping lunch, whatever it takes, right? So when I came back to the company, when I was 27, I was a little nervous, right? Because I was like, oh, I was trying to make it my own way. And I didn't successfully do all the things I wanted to. I was losing interest in it. I'm going to come back and see if the company has an opportunity. Because I had a lot of friends growing up, they're like, why are you not in the family business? Why are you not Doing this stuff, but I wanted to try to do something different my own way, and I found this path to do it my way now here because I've developed it along the way. But my pathway through the business was: is I had moments in the business where managers or leaders in departments had either been let go because they were causing issues and problems, or they had to go because, you know, for example, our field service manager, uh, his wife took a job in California, he moved out there. We kept him as a tech, but we didn't have anybody to manage the field service team, and the team we had none of them were really ready or wanting to take the leadership role. So I was like, I mean, I'll do it. I've led people, you know, as a financial planner, I've talked to people. I understand what makes people tick. I can do this. I can't program a PLC, but I can certainly program a schedule and I can program a team and I can talk to people. So that was my first step into now I got a team underneath me that I am responsible to make sure they know what the priorities are. They know what the schedule is. Where do they need help? How are they organizing themselves before their trip, after their trip, so forth and so on. Then our operations manager got let go uh, because our business didn't do so great in 2008, 2009. We went from like $8 million to $4 million. And my dad is the kind of guy who said, I don't care if we're going to break even. I'm feeding my team. right?" So I learned a lot about team from him. And I love that. And the guy that we had running the business in the back was more like, well, we're not going to earn money on that, Klaus. And my dad's like, I don't care. We're feeding the team. So it happened again and again, and it just got to a point where the person was no longer fit for what we were trying to do. So we needed somebody to run the shop, manufacturing shop, safety, you know, organizational planning, that operations person, planning. Yeah. I never went to school for this stuff, but I went to the school of life. I know that people need help. I know that people need work. So when I think about like myself, as I talk about moving my way up the business and getting to a point where I now have my own team, I did that by earning people's respect. I, mm-hmm. I did that by working my ass off. I did that by every time I've taken a leadership role, I've recognized that it's my job to be the inspiring motivator leader, but it's my job to make sure that the team has everything they need. They need priorities, schedules, resources, equipment. They need what they need in order to get their job done every single day. That means I have to work to do that for them. So most people, when they get into a title of leadership or management, they get to this place where they're like, great, I get to now tell people what to do. That's mm-hmm. the wrong way to go around it. You uh, that's should, rookie. Yeah, you should aspire to get to that role because you get to now work for those people. You get to help those people. You get to change what their, their potential is. You get to have a voice to be a facilitator for change. So as I went through the business, trust me, dude, in the beginning, like I remember when I was 33, I was just getting into the role of vice president of operations. And like I said, I worked in finance. So I learned a lot about money and how to save money, where the right places were to put it and so forth. I went out, I've had a dream after I got rid of my first car, which was a Mustang to buy another Mustang one day down the road. And I always thought when I'm older, 55, 60, midlife crisis, get it that time. And I was like, I'm 33. I was at a place where I had enough resources. I was making enough money. I had saved up enough money. I'm working well. I'm going to earn more money as I'm going forward. I want to enjoy that damn thing now. So I went out and bought myself a Shelby Cobra. I uh, flew to Michigan, drove the thing all the way back to New Jersey. And it was the best 12 hours of my life. I was the happiest kid on the world, right? No music for the first four hours. It was just listening to the engine roar. And it was the greatest damn thing ever. I didn't drive it to work till I was 38 years old. Wow. Sorry, 37 years old. Because wow. I was nervous that people were going to look at me as the kids, the father's son, Daddy bought him a car, blah, 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 blah. The whole story. And I remember Andy was saying this too, because he, Andy Frisella, you know, had a Lamborghini he bought himself in the beginning. And he didn't drive it to work the first few times because he was nervous about what people would say about him or the image that it would give off. And then I remember, I think it was him actually that said it one point in time. He goes, One time I did drive it. And I think he was talking about a story in a gas station, right? Where kids kind yeah. of looked at the car and they were inspired by what he was doing there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to see how this goes. So I drove it to work that day and a bunch of people came up like, "Oh, that's such a cool car, man. Like, that's so cool. How long you had it?" I'm like, "4 years." And they're like, "What?" <laughs> you know, and actually a couple of guys who I never really worried that they were worried about me as the owner's son. They knew my my work ethic. I told them I was like, "Dude, I was always nervous to drive here because I didn't want people to have the wrong feeling that I didn't earn this. I didn't work my freaking tail off to get this thing." And he goes, Nobody really thinks that, dude. You work your ass off here. We all love you. And that was another one of those moments that poured back into me. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm actually, this is now the thing. Like, I have this chance now where I built this team and I've shown them all, I don't care if we don't have everything we need to get it done. We're going to find a way. We're going to work as a team to get it done. Like, for me, when I took that operations role, I didn't know everything about welding and, you know, everything I needed to know about fabricating equipment and so forth, but I knew my team knew it. And I knew that I could be the person to bring the right people to the table to have a conversation. And there were times, being the leader in the, in the shop, I had to be the one who made the final say. So I was smart enough to listen and learn from them over the years and ask the right questions. Now I know a lot about welding. I know a lot about metallurgy. I know a lot about machining. I know a lot about surface finishes. I know a lot about all these things because I'm a great sponge. I pull information in. I register it in my head. And then I start making connecting the dots. And I figure that stuff out. Mm -hmm. So it's given me this ability to move my way through the company to now be at a place. I was always nervous, dude, that this day, this time I'm sitting in the seat by myself and my dad wasn't around thinking that at some point in time, he's going to pass, right? He's an older fella. He's still around. He's 82. He's kicking and so forth, but light switches off. He's just retired, feet back, relaxing, right? I was always nervous. I was like, what am I going to do when he's not here? For the last four years, I've been doing it and we've doubled business and we've got a great team and we're educating everybody and- there's this inspirational joy and there's this camaraderie and there's this culture and there's this stuff that's just gelling around our business with the people we have and people. Now, when they come in, they feel it. I'm not nervous anymore. I'm nervous for life in general. You gotta, you gotta succeed. I'm nervous for, you know, what if I don't get to the goal that I set for myself and so forth? That's general nerves we all have, but I'm not nervous about that part of that business anymore because I know I've poured myself through the team. And I know that if I need their help, They're going to give me the help because they know I will always help them.
0: That's the circle. That's how I got here. It's pretty cool. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. I'm sitting here listening, like completely locked into it. You, you describe the ebbs and flows, uh, exceptionally well. And, uh, I'm 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 really I'm like really happy for you. I'm like genuinely like extraordinarily happy for you and not because you get to snowboard the best snow more than I do. <laughs> you, you actually get to um carry on um, generational not power but generate I don't think that's the right word to describe it but generational legacy? Generational
1: legacy? You know what, the way, way I say it to add to where you're going with that and I really love that you're touching on this. I'm fortunate I'm Mm -hmm. grateful. I'm ecstatic that I have the opportunity to continue and build upon what my dad built as a foundation for this company. Mm -hmm. He built a great product. That's certainly been a benefit of walking into this business and helping get things going forward. I've certainly provided a lot of benefit in terms of what the equipment does today and been part of the team that's helped facilitate that kind of stuff with his help and along a lot of those ways too. But I'm so grateful that I can sit here right now, have this conversation with you, talk about my journey, be in a place where now right this time today, if I look back over the last two weeks, the presentations I've done, the workshops I've been to, the ones that are coming up, the message that I'm trying to put out into the world around metal part making and so forth, the rewards I'm getting back from being at presentations and having people give me feedback afterwards, like I'm in this state, I'm good.
0: Yeah,
1: Pendulum's still swinging. I'm going to have bad and good days, but I'm good. Yeah, I got this because I know that I have have this opportunity and I have the opportunity to either make it into shit or make it into something amazing. Yeah. Who the hell wants shit? Nobody wants that. We want something amazing.
0: You got a chance. You got to run with it. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what, dude. We got to do it. We got to do a part two. Definitely. Okay. I want to do a part. You know what? We should do a part two after you've been in uh, Charlotte for a while. Okay. I'd love I, to. I, I. It would just be good to hear. Like, because you're right. You're getting ready. I know your deadlines have been extended, but you're getting ready to go. And... We're, about
1: four, we're about four months out before we're starting to move team members down. And it's going to be stressful, dude.
0: I I think after the dust settles, which I don't even know how long that would take, I would project at least a year, right? Hopefully Probably. So. Hopefully, I don't know six months, optimistically speaking. Let's if, put it on the
1: calendar this day next year, and let's see let's see where we're at. You want to do a year from now? Okay, let's do it.
0: All right, let's we can do, do that. We could definitely we do can pull that. it
1: up. Let's pull it up. But I think there's um, we're a very weirdly small niche industry and business there's a lot of growth opportunity in our world and so forth, like many businesses that are all over the place, but I don't have the ability to go to a billion dollar company. It's not that kind of thing, right? Unless I branch out into other markets and all this other stuff, but I'm extremely proud of what my team's done. I'm extremely proud of how, how absolutely hard they've poured themselves into uh, a vision I painted. And the vision isn't like, I want to sell 400 furnaces a year. It's I want to be the people that you come to when you need help in this industry. I want to be the benchmark of what we're trying to do. I want to help everywhere I can. And I want to be a community-driven person. Nothing there says volume of equipment. Nothing there says, you know, so many sales in any given single year or so many service trips that we make. It doesn't mean any of that. That's all the stuff that comes with it. Focus on those goals and those missions. And we keep that in the back of our mind. We can always achieve more. We can always get more. The numbers don't matter to me as much so long as we
0: hit those things. Yeah, the milestones. Let me ask you something. I don't know if you're open to these sorts of things or not, but you know, if, if anyone was interested in following your journey on the move, uh, wh- where would they find you? So
1: um, best place to find me professionally would be on LinkedIn. Uh, and that's just my first name, Stefan, S-T-E-F-A-N, and my last name, J-O-E-N-S. I'm also on Instagram, but Instagram in my industry, they don't really play uh so often together so instagram is a little bit more my wood shop journey my personal development journey things along those lines it's the same thing stefan yearns j-o-e-n-s you can find me in either one of those two
0: all right i love it uh definitely follow him on instagram and i'm pretty sure we're connected on linkedin too but uh i'd highly recommend following the journey i'm excited for the journey you gave us ninety minutes of your time. I'm almost kind of surprised that was ninety minutes. It didn't feel like I it. can't even believe it, dude. <laughs> it felt, it, you know, it felt it kind of felt like like a like like a forty five minute chat, but I was so like in in what's the right word like in um, engaged. Yeah, I was like enchanted. I was like, okay, listen to this leadership fucking masterclass, dude. Thank masterclass you. on leadership. The thing about it is the way that you go about talking about it. It's so humble. It's so grassroots. It's so one person at a time. I, I think a lot of leaders uh, should be paying attention. A lot of entrepreneurs should be paying attention. This is the sauce, right? Think about the scale that you just went through over the past three years and the move you're about to make at the half-dec at the half-century mark. Like right. these are pivotal times for you. And, and, uh, and you gave us a masterclass on vision and on leadership. So, so thank you for that. Um, you know, I'm grateful for you. So thank you for your time tonight, my friend.
1: Brother, the, uh, the feelings mutual, um, you as a soul, you know, the world needs more of people like yourself, although you're a very unique one, you've got a great history. You've got a great story. You draw on a lot of your own personal, you know, stories and things you've been through good times, bad times. And it's made you a lot of who you are. So when you asked me to join you here, I, uh, and the answer would never have been no, my friend. I'm always I'm always humbled by every conversation we have. It keeps getting better and better. So I look forward to another round. I look forward to our next get together. And uh I just wish you lots of luck with the podcast and, and your
0: own personal journey too, man. We're, thank you. We're all we're all um we're all grateful for you and um you know you giving us your time and and everyone listening is what's most important. So I hope everyone loved this show. And I will okay. mark it on the calendar. So February of next year, we're gonna get it done, man. And I want I wanna hear like selfishly, like this is selfish. I want <laughs> to talk in like six months when you're okay. in like the fucking the heat of it and yeah. like report a show then. But that's so selfish of me. We'll wait. Just thank you again, dude. And uh just just know that what you gave was an impeccable value and and it's definitely impactful. So Bravo. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you so much. can. I kick it? Yes, you can. I'm born. Born, Can I kick it to my tribe that flows in layers? Right now, Fife is a pointsayer. At times, I'm a studio conveyor. Mr.